Welcome everyone to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host TJ and with me and as always is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now grumpy, we got a little bit of Islander news. Again, not too much because of the time period we're in, but it looks to be that the Islanders are going to be headed to Vegas. That's the hub that's been selected. And uh, the Eastern Conference team to be headed to Vegas to play their uh, the playoff uh, playoff uh, scenario. Well, that solves your uh, home ice advantage thing. You send the Eastern teams to the West, the Western teams to the East, and it all takes care of itself. I think it's a wonderful idea. That's And that's kind of what we had discussed would probably be the best way to handle that because I think the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference teams might head to Toronto. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's they want it to be somewhere. They, I think they want it to be in Canada, and it only makes sense, right? You know, you have one hub there in the North. You have one hub in the United States, one hub in Canada. Um, and, again, Vegas has been pretty energized since that franchise originally came around. So, you know, people maybe swing by and catch a game that might not be specifically – tour their uh the team of their allegiance well that's if they even let fans in the arenas i don't even know if they're going to do that have they even decided i don't even think they've decided on that honestly yeah i don't think they have i know they they want the players to return to training camp uh i think it's july 10th yes or something around there i read okay yeah i'm not sure if they have a specific time period they're expecting fans to be able to come back or anything like that I think they're going to do anything in their willpower to have fans in the stands again because it, the NHL, out of the big sports, relies heavily upon ticket revenue. And if you're not able to actually put fans in the stands, I think that hurts your bottom line even more. Obviously, the coronavirus hurt them a lot, having to cancel really um, almost a fourth of the season. And now this would really put a damper on the NHL's bottom line for this year. Yeah, well, it's going to have a direct uh, influence on the salary cap for next year, that's for certain, which I'm sure we'll talk about later today. Um, My concern is, I I like, for me, hockey's an energy sport, and I think teams feed off the energy, but I I think you're going to see that they're not going to let any fans in the buildings. I think that's probably the way they're going to go. They're going to side uh, on the side of, they're going to go on the side of caution, and they're, I just feel that's probably what they're going to do. I know that's what they've been talking about. Who knows? Everything changes from one week to the next, one day to the next. Who knows? I was about to say, you know, you talk about 2020 in general. My God, it's been a very volatile year up and down. Well, there's been a lot of downs. It's just crazy the downs and the directions that they're headed. <laughs> and it seems, I, seems to be odd. And one other thing, uh, who gets that money? It's not like the teams are getting that money unless they're, you know, even if they bring in fans, they're going to say, okay, well, since you're the quote unquote home team for this game, you get the revenues. I don't know. I don't know how that would work or if they would just put them in the NHL coffers. And I was about to say, I wonder if they just go ahead and pool the money all together because it's only going to be two hubs. Maybe they'll just say, you know, we'll split that amongst the playoff teams based off of how long you're in, or like they can look at round by round basis. Maybe I think there's ways to go ahead and do that to where you can keep all parties genuinely or generally happy. Um, it's nothing's going to be perfect again, and you know, even Gary Bettman said that. But Grumpy, it's it's been. Cr- oh, I did not tell you, Grumpy old man. I have now. Do you know what TikTok is, Grumpy? Uh, yeah, it's what a clock does, right? Well, I, I know what TikTok is. Yes. <laughs> I downloaded so Paige and myself we downloaded TikTok, and I had not had a TikTok. And again, I don't know how long TikTok's been around, 
But I, I was encouraged by many of my friends to download a TikTok. My brother had one. He was telling me about it too. And I was I finally downloaded TikTok and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel really old because I'm trying to operate and figure out how this thing works. And uh, I just felt like a dinosaur grumpy old man. I probably felt like the way you feel like sometimes. First of all, I do not feel like a dinosaur. Like, like I do not feel like a dinosaur. Nice try trying trying to take a cheap shot at me. Isn't that TikTok? Isn't that uh a Chinese site where they steal all your information and stuff like that. Isn't that what TikTok is? Uh, maybe you should look into this. I mean, maybe you should grow a brain. See, I understand when you're young like you are, you're, you're, the back of your head isn't even fully hardened yet. So I can see why you'd make stupid mistakes like that. So this is another nonsensical uh, social media site. Is that what I'm to understand from TikTok? The, yeah. So it's like these short – I think it's like short videos. It's kind of like how Vine – I mean, like I never did Vine either. But yeah, grumpy. I did not log in with my personal information. All I did was put my email, and my telephone number in. I was not going to do like Facebook or anything like that. I don't want anybody ever to have access to that type of information. You realize but, you do realize when you give them your email and uh, your telephone number that is your personal information. Just to let you know, just to no, it is. is personal. Well, you just said you didn't get. Personal I don't want them. I don't want them to know about my interests and things like that. Things that I like private. There's a reason why, really, my Facebook and everything like that are private because I don't really like to share anything like that. I'm like, it's weird. The older I've gotten, let me ask, let me ask you a quick question. When is is your telephone number and your email tied into your Facebook? Yes. Thank you very much. They have your telephone and your email, so they'll be able to get into your Facebook. No, grumpy. <laughs> yes. That's not how that works, grumpy old man. Oh, my gosh. That's not how that works. You need a little bit more than just your telephone number and your email address to get into a Facebook account. You need the password. And again, like my Facebook has a lot more information on me and pictures and everything like that, and like my date of birth, all that type of stuff. Personal information, I'm like, eh, I don't know. The older I've gotten, though, I was trying to say before you went ahead and brought it up, grumpy old man, I don't find myself really posting on social media at all. I mean, the only reason, and I've told you, this is, it's a crazy time period. And I mean, like anytime I go on social media right now, it's just, it's always the same stuff. I never feel good after going on social media. The only reason I keep social media is for one reason, one reason alone, Grumpy Old Man, is for the Never Say Die podcast. That is literally the only reason I still have a Facebook. It's the only reason I have a Twitter. It's the only reason I have any of those type of sites. Cause I'm like, ew, right now I've, been, I've come very close to just deleting it. But I'm like, I got to keep it up for the Never Say Die podcast because I know you don't have one. That's correct. I don't have one. So I don't I don't listen to any of the nonsense that goes on, any of the ridiculousness, any of the squawk boxes that are out there. Just everyone feels they have to vomit on social media. Let them do that. I could care less. I don't get involved in any of that. And I'm much the wiser. Once again, the grumpy old man has made another brilliant decision where TJ is signing over his life to the Chinese and TikTok right now. Good job, TJ. Oh, grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. I love your character. I love you. Well, it's actually not even a character. This is just actually who you are. <laughs> right. And I, am I was about to say, I don't want to, I don't want to give people a facade that this is not who you actually are. Grumpy. This is exactly what grumpy is in real life. He does not care about a lot of things. So, um, but yeah, grumpy old man. I, I I felt like you could relate, but I guess not. I was on because I, I literally just downloaded it yesterday or today. And like I was scrolling or something. It literally just looks like an endless wall of videos, like of short videos that just run and run and run. I mean, some of them are entertaining, but not really. And I figured I'd, I'd ask if you knew what it was because I, I didn't know if you had felt that before, Grumpy Old Man. But I felt it. I was like, oh, wow, I'm out of touch with what is quote unquote hip in today's society. 
Uh, yes, like I said, I am fully aware of TikTok. Only morons use it. It's nice to know that you're using it now. <laughs> now it's official that only now morons it's complete. use it. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. Well, I think it's also important to note here for the podcast that Sorokin in his apparent uh uh, contract talks with uh, CSKA in Moscow. They had an NHL opt-out option in there, uh, or an, an out option in the actual contract written. Those those are the rumors as of right now. So uh, that was nice to see. And I, even if he were to sign that one-year deal, and if the NHLPA doesn't win the dispute, which I think they will win, um, I I don't see him as being in the KHL long term with that the new KHL salary cap that they implemented. I, I, I think, you know, Sorokin can make a significantly more amount of money in you know the NHL and North American hockey than he could in Russia with this new uh new KHL salary cap. Yeah. And another aside to that, you know, he signed with a new United States agent. Um his name is Dan Milstein. Yes. And uh some of his other clients are Nikita Kucherev and uh, Zaitsev and uh, Nemestikov, uh, just you know, just a couple. And but the interesting thing is that Milstein uh, has been blacklist, blacklisted by the Russian Hockey Federation. So you have to ask yourself. I mean, me as an Islander fan, I would say, why would you switch to a different North American agent who's been blacklisted in Russia if you weren't planning on coming over to the United States? Or, exactly. And I was about to say, I definitely wanted to mention that too. And, uh, and specifically that agent has helped a lot of those Russian players uh, move over to North American game. And, you know, that KHL salary cap, just to put it in perspective, that is going to be imposed on these, uh, these Russian teams next season is 900 million rubles. And trust me, I had to go ahead and pull out my calculator and Google search it. So 900 million rubles is roughly a little less than 13 million United States dollars. So, and again, the salary cap is a lot larger in the NHL game than it is there in the KHL will be next season. So long-term, I think Sorokin will be coming over here. And obviously, um, if you know the NHLPA wins that dispute, which I think they will, We'll have him here next season. Yep, and if he plays for the Islanders next year, um, you know who knows who knows what he'll make. You know, it's still I'm still waiting for everything to play out. Honestly, you know I can speculate, which as you know I'm very good at TJ. Uh, so let's play the speculation game. If the NHLPA wins that battle, which I feel they should, because I don't think you can just arbitrarily say something to teams that has not been collectively negotiated. Then they're going to be able to sign these people. It's does the N do the NHL teams press that issue? Like with Sorokin and some of these other players to get them signed to their entry entry level deals to count for the, in this season or not. It doesn't, it does. I think honestly, it doesn't make sense for the NHL collectively as a whole to do that either. I think it sours possible uh, connections with the KHL in the future as well. Um, and when you have things like that, you're trying to build the NHL up. Obviously, the more talented players you have there on the ice, the, the better the product is. And all in all, I just see that it doesn't really make sense to possibly allow a disconnect between these Russian players that get drafted higher and higher every single season by doing something like that. Yeah. I don't think they care about that. 
I really don't. Um, Which is unfortunate. Yeah, but I don't think they care about that. I I don't know why they I don't know why they did that. You know, you know, Bill Daly said, well, you know, all the teams' rosters are basically set. Well, so what? I mean, you know, if they wanted to sign guys, if it was still the regular season was still being played, they could have done that. And for the NHL just to arbitrarily decide that on their own without talking with the NHLPA, I just think it's disingenuous. And that's who their fight is going to wind up being with, is with the uh, Hockey Players Association. Yeah. No, it definitely will be. And again, I think the NHLPA is going to win that. But talking about that, Grumpy Old Man, I know you were reading um, a few articles, doing some homework for a change here for our podcast. That's very rare for you. But you were redoing some reading about potential um, top line players that, you know, might work and fit in with the Islanders. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for the nice cheap shot there. I appreciate it. (laughs) You would say the same exact thing. So if I didn't say it, I knew you were going to go ahead and underhand yourself there with a comment. I'm just happy to be perusing some articles on the web. That's all. Um, and, you know, I take it with a grain of salt. Uh, I saw on the Eyes on Isles website posted uh, three, because we're not going to be able to sign any free agents. I mean, who's really out there with the exception of maybe Taylor Hall? Is he worth a big contract? I don't think so. So they threw out a couple of names of players that we could potentially trade for. Um, you know, since we're right up against the cap, they were talking about Johnny Gaudreau. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers, and I can't remember the last guy they were talking about offhand. Um, oh, uh, Anthony Mantha from Detroit. And they're all kind of in the same boat. They make salaries. I think Mantha's a restricted free agent after this year. Maybe they're expecting him to make four or five a year. You have Goudreau making six and a half and Ehlers making six a year. Uh, Ehlers is signed longest terms. He's the youngest guy. But it would, and I'm not opposed to bring anybody in. I mean, Johnny Gaudreau, I think, would be fantastic playing with Matt Barzal. Uh, but you have to work around the salary cap. And that's where, you know, our actions in the last couple of years could possibly hamstring us in that regard. Uh, it's things we've been talking about for the last year and a half, honestly. And now the chickens are coming home to ro- roost, Bobby Boucher. Um, I like the water boy reference, Gumpy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I boxed it though. I said, I said roast. I know. I know you meant the roost, but uh, yeah. I don't, see, I'm not going to grill you like you would grill me, grumpy old man. For that's that okay. When I make a mistake, you don't see me saying start the podcast over. Now, <laughs> the one thing that they did roast uh, on uh, the Waterboy movie was alligators. Oh yes, that yeah. and squirrels. I think I, I haven't watched. I haven't watched the Waterboy in a long time. That's a that's a good old. Um, Adam Sandler movie. That's for hilarious, sure. Hilarious, hilarious. Lowbrow humor, absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I love the Water Boy. Kathy Bates was really good in it. That uh, was that was a good movie. Henry Winkler was good, um, and of course Adam Sandler was fantastic, and he had his usual cast of characters with him also. Yeah, Grumpy. I will say this much. I kind of want. <laughs> I want to get back a little bit to the topic because I could talk about the Water Boy all day, but I will tell you this much. Now, with the cap supposed to be remaining the exact same, at least that's the news. That's a new estimation. They expect the cap to remain at eighty-one and a half million. And this is—I'm just talking about pure numbers here, Grumpy, because we talked about it. You know, the Islanders need to get a financier up there. They need to find some way to creatively get rid of all this dead cap they have on the team, the roster. Um, right now, going into next season, 
we have seven, we have already tied to organization 71.3 million in cap used. And we still need to sign back Matt Barzal, Ryan Pulak, Devon Taves, and Ia Sorokin if he's able to win that NHLPA, if the NHLPA wins that dispute, which ideally they will. Now, Grumpy, I was doing a little bit of, I guess you could say, uh, thinking and pondering uh, off air. And I was thinking, how much are those guys legitimately going to cost the Islanders? Right? If you look at it the way it's kind of set up, we have roughly about $10.1 million of available cap space to sign those four players. And I'm thinking about it. And correct me, I, I want to get your opinion on this too, Grumpy Old Man. I could see Matt Barzal getting a bare minimum of $7 million a year. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about bare minimum. Yeah, he's worth more than the guy who makes $7 million on our team now by a by a long shot. I agree. But he is restricted. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he got eight. Honestly, he is the only offensive player we have on this team. So he's going to get more than Anders Lee. He, oh, I, I think so. I, that's why I said bare minimum of seven. Let's say he was able to, you know, he's able to to level and understand, you know, the Islanders are coming in with a hard time period. We'll go ahead and try to sign with the bridge. I have no idea. I don't know what Matt Barzal's relationship is like with Lou Lamarillo and everything like that in the organization, really. I think he's happy here. But in the same token, all players want and deserve to be paid when they produce. I, that's why I said bare minimum of $7 million a year. And I don't know if it was a $7 million a year contract. It's a short-term contract, like a bridge deal, until he can really get paid. But I, I was talking – and I was thinking about it, Grumpy Old Man. Bare minimum seven. I could see him getting eight and a half. I, honestly, probably deservingly, probably would be more towards a $9 million a year range. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get nine. I think I think eight, eight and a half is probably what he's going to get. Um. Hopefully a little bit lower than that, but like I said, he had what did he? I think he had sixty points uh, at this point of the year, so he was almost point a game. Uh, he was point a game right around there. He's been he's been close to a point a game producer on this organization uh, this organization for the last three years or close and he, to it. Yeah, and he's by far the best player on this team. The most offensively gifted, talented player we have. That's he's the best. No he's, doubt about he's it. the best player on our team. He's the best player on our team. Yes, I agree. And I don't think it's close for second, honestly. Um, and when you're the best player on the team, you get paid accordingly, and you should. Or you, well, I can tell you one thing: you'd be pissed off if you weren't being paid accordingly when you had these contract negotiations come up, because you know what you produce for the team, you know what you bring to the table, and you want to be compensated justly for it. And I understand it's just like with any type of job you have when you're doing a lot of work and you're consistently carrying the load, you want to be compensated justly for it. But I was thinking to myself, I'm like, bare minimum, $7 million a year, best case scenario. And yeah. then I think to myself, how much is Ryan Pulak going to get paid? The man has really stepped into a top-pairing defenseman role this season, and he looked extremely gifted out there on the ice defensively and bringing some of offensive acumen also to the table. And I was thinking to myself, what type of price range would we see Ryan Pulak ideally be signed with if we had all the cap in the world? I could see him honestly demanding around $5 million a year. Yeah. I mean, he's making $2 million now. He's just entering the prime of his career. Um, you know, And he signed, that, he signed that bridge deal for the Islanders. It was a real sweetheart deal at the time, too. So I, I could definitely see him saying and demanding, yeah, I want some money now. Well, it was before he really proved himself. Um, if it was me, 
Okay, what I would do, and well, you know, you, but here's the thing, you can't do what I would do because they've messed up the cap so bad that you can't do what I would do. These are the guys that I would assign to long-term extensions. Before they become unrestricted free agents, you give them maybe a little bit more than they deserve now, but you sign them for long-term deals, six, seven years, while then you buy out a number of years to unrestricted free agency. You pay them till they're 30 or 31, and then you let them go. So you're getting below market deals for the prime of their career, and then you let them go afterward. That's not the way the Islanders have operated on Lou Lamarillo. We sign aging veterans to long-term extensions, not just the guys last year, the year before also, ever since he's been here, signing aging veterans to long-term big money deals. And what it's done is hamstring what they can do going forward. And that's why they're in the boat that they're in right now, honestly. It's not just the Lee, Nelson, Everly deals. It's also uh, the Leo Komarov deal. Um, you know, the previous iteration uh, when Garth Snow was here, Andrew Ladd, Josh Bailey, Cal Clutterbuck. These well, are I, I, wanna, I don't want to get you off topic because that's kind of how I wanted to end this, Grumpy Old Man, and talking about possible solutions. But I wanted to get back to Ryan Pulak. So you would agree there, around $5 million would be kind of what you could expect. Because I'm just trying to lay out the groundwork of what we should expect these players to demand or what maybe their minimum would be even in an ideal scenario because we're going to have to get creative and, and we're going to have to shed cap. How we do it, I'm not sure. There's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. But in the same token, we're going to have to free up some cap space. And this is kind of what I wanted to get to as my overarching point. I don't think we're going to have the room available to trade for a first line or top line rank winger. Well, it, the and, team has to get younger. Period. I don't disagree with that. I, I, just, I, I mean, you know, we've talked about it a hundred times before, but the team has to get younger. The future of the team is not in the guys that they've been signing long-term deals. It's just not. And that's why they're in the boat they're in. Yes. I think Pulak, but here's the thing. I wouldn't want to sign Pulak for anything less than a six- or seven-year deal, honestly. I could see Ryan Pulak. And again, like I don't know. If you're talking about $5 million a year, I could see that being a maybe three- or four-year deal. He's Ryan Pulak is a damn good defenseman. And this season, he has really, he's really shown through. He's done extremely well. And I think he's earned himself more of a paycheck if, as opposed to where if the Islanders were to have signed him last season. I think you're right about that. If they were to have been pre proactive and signed him back last offseason, you maybe wouldn't have been able to get him on a cheaper deal, and $5 million might maybe could have stretched him five or six years. With the performance he's had this season, uh, if you want a six-year deer, grumpy old man, I could see him demanding five and a half, maybe six a year. Give it to him. Give it to him. He's the future of the team. These guys are the future of the team. As you remember, I said what they their number one priority last offseason should have been locking up their, their restricted free agents, the, the Pulaks, the Barzals, not necessarily Devon Taves, but those other two definitely should have been locked up last offseason. You get them for big long-term extensions through the prime of their career, paying less money. You could have got Matt Barzal for certain. I feel you could have given him a seven- or eight-year deal for $7 million per. And he would have signed that last offseason. He would have done that. I firmly believe it. The same thing with Pulak. You could have given him four and a half or five million dollars a year after last season, give him that money for the next six or seven years. Then you're then you're getting these players into their early 30s, and then you can let them go after they're on the downside. That's what they should have done. 
They chose not to, to do the grumpy old man that method. They choose to do what they're doing here, which in the long run is going to hurt the team, period. And we've talked about it, Grumpy. I don't disagree with you. I think that's probably the route the NHL is headed, and it's the way the NHL should head because you get you get the player for what they're going to perform. You pay them when they're performing as opposed to paying them on the latter half of the year for prior performance. So, right. again, I don't disagree. Um, but I kind of want to get back to the point. Now, we're talking about Devon Taves. I could see him getting probably demanding three and a half, maybe four million a year. I thought he's had he's he didn't have a stellar season like I was kind of expecting, and I think you maybe were expecting Grumpy Old Man. I thought he looked defensively uh, lapsed. He had a lot of defensive lapses at times this year, which is uncharacteristic the way we we're looking at him last season. But I could see him getting around maybe three and a half, four. Well, I think that was because they made the conscious effort that they wanted the uh, defenseman to join the rush more because they know they didn't have any offense, so they wanted them to join Russia. And I thought it hurt it hurt Taves in particular, um, you know, because he was busy rushing up the ice all the time. And I think that hurt him defensively. Uh, I think his numbers will be down this year. Uh, and so his salary numbers will be down. Now, I could see him signing. See, I don't know if it's an age thing or how many years you've been in before you become unrestricted. I would try to get him to take a short, shorter term deal to get him to just before he becomes unrestricted. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you do that. Cause remember he's 25 years old or almost 26. He's older grumpy old man. Cause Devon Taves, remember he was in the same exact draft class, I believe as he is Sorokin. Okay. Well, okay. 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 Like I said, I, I don't know how, what the, I know, I think it used to be 28 years old. I think it's uh, it's not that anymore. Okay, and like I said, I was not one hundred percent sure on that. That's why I, I that's why I prefaced it. But I mean, okay, he's another guy. If you want to sign him, sign him to a four year deal at three and a half million per. I have no problem at all with that for Devon Taves. None. Yeah, Devon Taves is twenty six. Yes. Um, just to go ahead and let you know, I, he just just. But I don't want to see him signing a two year deal. I don't want to see him signing a two year deal. I want to see him longer term. A grumpy. I I'm gonna let you know something. If I'm Devontae, I don't, I don't care what you think you'd like to have him sign. It's obviously ideal. I'd love, I'd love for our young guys to all sign that too. But if he's making three and a half or four million dollars a year, remember he hasn't even played an entire NHL season up with with the organization yet. This would have been his fir- first full NHL season because right. he had injuries that kind of kept him derailed a little bit down there in Bridgeport and with the college and everything like that. He's had, you know, he's definitely had his road to the NHL is a little bit prolonged, but you have to think about it. That young man wants to start earning some money. There's no way in hell he's going to sign a five or six year deal and lock up unless he, unless the, the pay is going to be substantial. I mean, remember he may have had a down year this year or what, you know, people would consider a little bit of a down year this season, but he's still a top four defenseman in the NHL. And top four defensemen usually get paid. Yeah, but what I'm saying is he's coming off where he's making seven hundred thousand. He's only been a one year starter with the team, so I think if you give him a five year deal uh, at three and a half par, I think he would take he that. Would, I'd spit at that. I'd again, like I, I could tell you, just if I was in a situation, I'd spit at that and say, no, oh, let's do a two year deal if you're going to do something like that. 
he wants to go ahead and maximize his earning potential. The only way you sign a five-year deal like that and lowball yourself in the amount of money that you can make is if you're really not that confident in your abilities. Every single NHL and every single professional athlete knows and thinks that they're the best thing since sliced bread. To a certain extent, they have to have a little bit of an ego about them when they play. They have to know that they're good. They have to know that I can do this, I can do that. And when it comes down to getting paid, I don't think he's going to sign a contract that would take him until he's 31 years old making three and a half million a year. I think I'd, if I was Devontae's, I'd spit at that off. Yeah, but I'm talking about salary cap numbers. I'm not talking about actual num actual, uh, what he would get paid, you know, actual money. I mean, you can structure it where the salary cap is three and a half per let's say next year. Okay. Next year, we're going to give you, uh, 2 million. Then 2.5. So the numbers go up the, over the, the course. Sal- okay. But the salary cap always has to add up to what the player gets right. paid in the end. Well, that's, that's I'm just saying, $3.5 million a year over a five-year time span, Grumpy, you're looking at like $17.5 million a year. Or $17.5 million over the, really for, for the majority of his career. Again, like when you're 31 years old as a defenseman, I mean, Devontae is not one of those overly physical defensemen. He predicates his game on speed. And he's got a little bit of offensive acumen. He can pass the puck well. Once your speed starts going, you don't have a hulking body out there that's throwing guys like a Zidane Chara who can last a million years out there. And again, Chara's is obviously anecdotal evidence. And he's, he's, he's one of a kind, that's for sure. But he's not a guy who's big like a Brian Boyle or somebody like that who can get away with just off of physical ability. He's not one of those guys. I don't know how long you know Devontae's career will be, but – I'd have to think if, if he's getting around three and a half million, I don't think he's going to be looking to sign a five-year deal. Well, maybe two, maybe a three-year deal if they offer him that much. Yeah, but, okay. There, it would make no sense for the Islanders to give him that much money on a two-year deal. Absolutely not. If you're going to give him a two-year deal, I wouldn't give him any more than two million dollars per. He hasn't. He hasn't. Doesn't earn. He hasn't earned any more than that. Look he at what down year this year. He played half a year last year, and he had a down year this year. You don't give a guy, uh, you know, a five hundred percent increase for something like that unless you can buy years out. And that's what the whole thing about. If you want to make that kind of money, we're going to buy some free agency years. I okay. mean, that's that's just the way it works. Here's my question for you, Grumpy old man: If you had to pick, would you rather have Nick Letty or Devontae's? I'd rather have Devontae's. I think that uh, okay. All, all thrown aside, let's say no cap implications, anything like that. Who who do you think would be a better player on a team, Devontae's or Nick Letty? Long term? Yeah, long term. Devontae's. Okay. But that My doesn't thing mean is that I think Devontae's should make $5.5 million because that's what Nick Letty makes. Absolutely not. Nick Letty's been in the league, what, uh, 10 years now? Something like that. I mean, he's earned his money. I mean, he signed. You think about it. If Nick Letty was on the market, look at when he signed that deal. Oh, so many years ago, right? Five and a half million for all those years. How much money could he have made on the market if you let him go to free agency back then, as opposed to locking him up early, which is what they did. They bought all those years out and they gave him a little bit more money than he deserved on the front end. And Nick Letty was far more accomplished when he signed that contract extension than Devon Taves is. Well, oh, I'm going to put it to you like this in terms of this way, grumpy old man. When you're a player and you know what you contribute, just like with Matt Barzal, you know what you contribute to the team. You want to be paid justly and accordingly to that. Think about it. Three and a half million dollars a year is what Cal Clutterbuck, our fourth liner, makes. Three and a half, 3.35 million dollars a year is what Casey Zekas makes. Again, I think he's a Swiss Army knife, but again, he's a really good fourth line center. 
you're paying fourth line forwards what you'd be paying this guy who would be a top four defenseman. Again, this is my point. When you see other players on your team making this, think about it. Thomas Hickey makes $2.5 million a year. He's got $2.5 million against the cap. Think about that. And he's the seventh defenseman who plays, again, he had his injuries this season. But ideally, he's a guy who sits down in Bridgeport when everybody's healthy. Think about that. You want to be only making a million dollars more than a guy who's playing in Bridgeport? A guy who's a number seven defenseman? I don't know, Grumpy. I, that's what I said. Okay. I, I, if he wants three and a half, I think it's a shorter term deal. I don't think there's any way you're going to get three and a half locked up long term. That's my that, personal opinion. That, on it. And I might be wrong, and I hope I am. Yeah, but that's my whole point. That was my whole point to begin with. You don't sign guys like that to long term deals. You don't sign fourth liners to make three and a half million dollars a year. That's, yes, I don't disagree with you, Grumpy. I mean, I'm talking specifically gonna... about right now, Devontae's. Yeah, but that's why you're in the situation. I mean, that's that's my whole point. You can't – I mean, Devontaves has played one year in the NHL. What's he played, 90 games in the NHL? I think a salary increase from 700000 to $3.5 million for, in essence, one season in the league is real good. I think that's real good. And I think he'll sign that on a very short-term deal. I don't think he's going to sign that long-term. Well, I wouldn't that's, give him that's that. That's where we disagree, I guess. Well, you know what? Then I wouldn't give him that. If you if he wants, if he doesn't, okay, want I'd sign. I'd sign a one-year deal, then say, "Kick it! I'm going to free agency where I can make big, big money as a top four defenseman." You know well, what I mean? You got to get a play ebbs and flows, right? Well, you know what? Then you just give him the absolute minimum. You give him whatever it is, whatever the increase that you have to give him, and just leave it at that because no one's yeah. going to make him an offer. No one. Really? What you want, what you, if you ask me what I would do, that's what I would do. I would give him a deal where he makes three and a half million per. I mean, cause he's not, he's not playing the top minutes. I mean, that's still, that's, that's uh Pulak and Pelic who's going to be back and you're going to have to pay Pelic next year. He only makes 1.6 million this year. Right. I mean, you know, and then next year he's also going to get 1.6. You have to lock him up. He's going to be a, a restricted free agent also. I mean, these are the type of guys you have to worry about signing. And- I, I'm, not, I'm not arguing that we don't have to worry about signing this. What I'm arguing <laughs> is a guy like Devon Taves. I get it. He hasn't played a lot in the NHL, but in the same token, he's a top four defenseman, and there are guys a uh, bottom four, bottom you know, bottom line forwards, bottom six forwards. I mean, even Komarov makes three million dollars a year. Look how many bottom tier forwards make more money than that. Devon Taves now is 26 years old. He's entering the prime of his career. If you think he's going to lock himself up long-term with a $3.5 million a year, I just don't see that being the case. I might be wrong, and I hope I am. Okay, but, but let's say let's say you take 3 and a half for four years. That means you're going to be 30. Defensemen play well into their 30s. He can cash in then, big time, depending on how he performs. But I think, honestly, based on his performance so far, I think $3.5 million a year for the next four years is – very, very generous from the Islanders' point of view. I just feel that. What, but what they are doing, they're paying on potential. They're not paying on past performance because, I mean, honestly, he's a restricted free agent. They don't have to do that. But that's what I would do. I would sign the restricted free agents to a little bit above market deals for what restricted free agents get to buy out some years in unrestricted free agency. That's what I would do. Okay. Well, we've gotten off topic and derailed. I was hoping this would have been a quicker podcast where we can just go down the list, but of course we would have a disagreement, at least one. And I'm sure on Sorokin, we're probably maybe going to have a disagreement too. Now, when we're talking about how much Ia Sorokin would demand, 
I could see him signing a two-year type of deal, uh, nothing too long, uh, at least $4 million a year. And again, like I don't know. I feel like he's the biggest wild card when you talk about how much a player would demand or what the minimum you could see that player getting paid would be. But with Sorokin, I mean, you're paying all of a performance you've seen in the league that doesn't sometimes doesn't translate. But given goalie, I guess is the easiest way possibly to, to you know to translate over to the NHL game. I know the boards and the bounces and the stanches are going to be different, but in the same token, I could see Sorokin demanding bare minimum four million dollars a year. Yeah, but you got to give it's got to be more than two years. I mean, there's no way that they're going to sign him to a two year deal. Absolutely no way. Then, then this is my next question. I, I could see if you, they're going to sign him to a long-term deal, I could see him getting paid more than Simone Varlamov or the same exact. There's no way they bring him over where he's going to be the starting goaltender and he's going to be <laughs> eased into the number one guy when a guy like Varlamov is going to be making more money than him. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be hypothetically, those are going to be your two goalies going forward for the next five years. Why would you sign him to anything less than a five-year deal? So if you sign him to a five-year deal, I'm just saying long-term, that's going to increase the amount of cap. We're I'm just talking about short-term. I'm talking about short-term and what the Islanders going to have to do with the limited cap space they have. Because based off our discussion, we've got Barzal at a bare minimum of seven, Pulak at a bare minimum of five, Devontae's at a bare minimum of 3.5 and, you know, Sorokin bare minimum. If you're going to sign him longer term, I mean, you're looking probably at like five, if not more. I, and know, I, I'm not opposed to them signing him long term. I'm just talking about short term. What does that have implications on our salary cap? It means you're going to have to get rid of a lot of the dead weight off of this team. There's, and believe me, there's a whole lot of it. There's a whole lot of it. I mean, Nick Letty has to go. Boy, Chuck, I mean, who would take Boychuk? Would anybody take Johnny Boychuk? He's got two more years after this one on his deal. I don't know. But Maybe somebody retires. Andrew Ladd, right? I mean, you're going to have to. I mean, well, Andrew Ladd's not retired. Well, maybe yeah. he will. Maybe he will. But you know, just based off the discussion we've had today, and this is you're right. Long term, not even including Adam Pellick, who's going to have to be signed, and he's probably going to get some big money because we saw the implication that he had when he went out injured this season. We saw how important of a piece he was. I could see him making big money next season. But when you look at it, just off of these four players we've discussed, best case scenario, we're looking at them consuming twenty and a half million of cap space. And we've right now got 10.1 million to work with. We're going to have to shed at least 10 million in cap space. And this is kind of the overarching point again, for people that are dreaming up and looking at, you know, top tier forwards, maybe we could trade for and everything like that. I just don't see how that's a possibility cap space wise. We would have to give up a lot of prospects and we would have to shed even more cap. And I mean, just the people that the Isles on Isles, you know, suggested right there, you're looking at a bare minimum of like $26.5 million, or at least maybe like in some cases, bare minimum $26.5 million, probably more towards 27 at least in cash space that you would need with the 10.1 that we'd have projected. I mean, that's $17 million roughly that you're going to have to free up off the roster right now. That's really tough. Okay. Especially doing one offseason. That's really tough. Okay. You're in this boat. Because of the mistakes of the last number of years, I agree. And the only way you can hit the the biggest problem, the the biggest issue that I see, is that the management of this team thinks that the roster, the way it's currently constituted, is good enough to win a Stanley Cup, and it's not. It just isn't. It you certainly know? is not. I agree. And 
but they believe in these guys. They believe in the Anders Lees and the Brock Nelsons and the Andrew Lads and the Josh Baileys and the Cal Clutterbucks. These guys are just, they're just guys. They're ham and eggers and they make way too much money. That's why you're in the situation. Move these guys. You're going to have to move them. Move them while they still have some value. To me, Josh Bailey, he's okay. I mean, right? He's a third-line player. He makes $5 million a year for the next four years after this one. Get rid of him. He's got leadership qualities. Move him. He's a solid citizen, right? He puts Move up him. a lot of points, too. I will tell you one thing, Grumpy. I don't want to derail you off your thoughts, but we need to create a never-say-die podcast drinking game because it's almost like every podcast, there's certain points that you always hit. If you complain about Josh Bailey, boom, take a shot. If you complain about mistakes made on cap for prior GMs or what Lou Lamarillo has done or Lou Lamarillo being uh, an armchair GM not doing anything, boom, take a shot. If you complain about Brock Nelson, which you haven't today, boom, take a shot. There's We have to create a type of drinking game, Grumpy Old Man, because I think it could catch on. Okay, but listen to me. You're specifically today talking about the salary cap. I am. So everyone would be a teetotaler today because – yes. You know, we're specifically talking about the salary cap. I mean, the worst. What's the worst deal we have on this team right now? The worst deal. Oof. I don't think. It's I think Andrew Lad. It's no. It's Anders Lee. Anders Lee is the worst deal we have right now. At least Anders Lee contributes and plays on the team. Again, not sure. Like right now, we're talking about today. I'd say it's Andrew Lad. He doesn't play at all, really, for the big team, and he sucks up close to six million dollars a year. If you don't get rid of Anders Lee, you're going to have. Uh, Andrew Ladd 2.0. I don't disagree. I don't disagree, but I'm saying as of right now, Andrew Lee is the worst contract we have on this team. Well, buy him out. I realize it's only your, your savings is like 700000 for the next three years. Get rid of him. If you buy yeah. out, and just for everybody listening, if you buy out Andrew Ladd, you only, you're still going to have to pay a cap hit penalty of about $4.8 million a year for the next, I think it's three seasons. Again, you only save seven hundred thousand every single year, and again, there's a reason why you don't see a lot of buyouts because it's more beneficial to try to trade that toxic asset. And I'm using quotes when you try to trade that that player who's tied with a big term contract. You have to give up, you know, some prospects or something like that. But you have to give it to a team who's rebuilding, like a Los Angeles Kings or you know an Ottawa Senators. You have to give it to a team that's got cap space that's rebuilding because it makes it more beneficial for you to trade them off than to buy them out. Agreed. But who's going to trade for Andrew Ladd? A team that has cap space that likes a prospect that we might have on our roster. And that's moving to the next point. I, I could definitely see us having to gut some players on our prospect pool. We have a lot of defensemen. I could see, and again, I like Bodie Wild, but with them not keeping him up in Bridgeport this year after they gave him the chance and, and sending him back down really the O, I could see the him being a guy, a prime candidate to be traded. I really can. We have a lot of young defensemen. Um, and we have a, a, a pretty stacked defensive core, even in Bridgeport. I could see Bodie Wild being a guy that kind of gets maybe moved. Well, it's hard to argue that he's not a guy who's got a promising future. And unfortunately, we will have to go ahead and part ways with some of these prospects because it's not like we have draft picks that we can go ahead and trade to offload some of these terrible contracts because we've traded all those draft picks away. So we're going to have to give up prospects in some capacity. Okay. Let's look at the guys who I think could command some value on the trade market. Yeah. Which maybe, I mean, I think Nicoletti 
for certain could get you something on the trade market. Um, he only makes five and a half mil for the next two years. I'm afraid that they just think, you know, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread, though. So they're not going to move him, which I think is a mistake. Scott Mayfield, one of my favorites, three more years at $1.45 million a year. I think that's a steal for a top four defenseman. Those are guys you could definitely move. Those are guys that you could get something back for. Maybe you package a Mayfield with, I don't know, one of the any number of offensive hacks that we have on this team, like an Anders Lee, for instance. I don't care that he's the captain. I could care less. Move him. It was a bad contract signing. It was stupid. And it's just going to look worse and worse and worse every year. That's the type of guy I'd move if you can team him up. Or maybe with an Andrew Ladd. Maybe you can package those two and get yourself a draft pick. I mean, that's what you're going to have to do. And we're going to, I could see us definitely getting draft picks. I, they're not going to be high draft picks. But they're going to be guys that, like, you know, fifth, sixth, maybe a fourth round pick if we're lucky type of things. But you also have Seattle coming to the league after next year, right? I realize that's after next year, but you're going to have to move. You want them to take one of these big contracts in the next couple of years. So we're looking we're looking at possibly trading another first-round pick next season to ensure that we can offload one of those big contracts? No, but what I would do, I would uh, lock up all the young guys. I wouldn't lock up anybody uh, over the age of 27 years old or 28 years old. Everybody else is up for grabs, and hopefully they'll take one of those. Maybe they'll take an Anders Lee or a Brock Nelson or a Jordan Everly. Or Josh Bailey. Maybe that's somebody See, they want. Brock Nelson, Brock Nelson's not an issue, Grumpy old man. Brock Nelson's not an issue. Come on. Well, but here's the thing. He is going to be in a couple of years. You have to get money off your salary cap. Do not use – don't use any of your exemptions on older players. Just don't do it. Not not, not, with, the the not with the situation that we're in currently. Uh, I, I agree to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, this is – and this kind of brought me to point when I when I was reading this article because you sent it to me as well, talking about you know possible candidates that the Islanders could trade for top you know top tier wingers or you know first line wingers that can maybe pair up with Matt Barzal. I saw it and I was looking at you know what those guys already have against the cap, and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm not really sure that we could afford anything like that this offseason. Not this offseason. And, you know, I'm all for us adding a top-line winger. I think it would definitely help boys our offense, and it would make us a more complete team. But just looking at what we have to do this offseason without bringing in any more elite talent on the offensive side of the puck, you're looking at $20.5 million, ideally, that we're going to have to go ahead and make space for with only 10.1. So we're going to have to do definitely some moving and shaking, um, I think Nick Letty is definitely gone. I, I don't see him sticking with the team any longer. Um, and I think, you know, if you can maybe pair him up um, with a guy like even Komarov or something like that in hopes to get somebody back in return. But I think Nick Letty's definitely gone. I don't. I think they like him too much. And that's the thing. They've fallen in love with these old guys, these old grinder types. They've fallen in love with them. So, I mean, you could have moved Nick Letty last. You could have moved him last offseason. And then you could have signed one of the, the the plethora of restricted free agents that were out there. That's what you could have done, but they didn't. They did nothing. They stood pat on a team that overachieved last year, let's be honest. And this year we've come back to what our norm is. 
uh, bottom, you know. Well, no, I, we're not bottom tier. We're a borderline playoff team that was going right. to be fighting for berth. But, again, we had a real collapse after we lost Adam Pellick. We lost a guy who was a very important defenseman to our team. And even once we tried to do things and, and try to put Band-Aids on the missing players, like, you know, adding Andy Green and Jean-Gabriel Pajot, we were still struggling. <laughs> so, yeah, but, I, here's I, the, but here's the thing, TJ. We don't score. We don't score. I mean, I, I don't care how many, how much more defense you throw back there. We don't score. You have to score to win games. We don't. We have one guy on the whole team who's capable of creating offense. That's it. There is nothing else on this roster where you can say night in, night out. Okay, who does some? Who does the other team have to look out for? Matt Barzal is the only guy. I don't think – I think you go into any other NHL team when they draw up on the board before a game, who do we – oh, we got to watch out for Brock Nelson. No way. Do they – do we have to look out for Cal Clutterbuck? No. We have to – oh, Anders Lee, watch out. He's a dynamic player. No. It's Matt Barzal and nobody else. I think – I think the teams definitely keep an eye out there for Brock. Now, with Anders Lee, I, I think – I think teams used to to look very closely at Andrews Lee, but I think they've found a way just to continue to drag and drape their bodies over him, tire him out, and don't allow him really get any space. And when you do that, Andrews Lee is, is pretty one-dimensional. Um, I, I think maybe Andrews Lee, again, like he benefited from playing with John Tavares, and I think Tavares' skill set of throwing the puck towards the net. We've talked about this on prior podcasts, so I don't want to beat on it too much, but – John Tavares did a really good job of throwing the puck towards the net and allowing Anders Lee to deflect it in the goal in the net. And that's how Anders Lee got a lot of goals. And, you know, it's, I don't complain about that, but that is definitely not one of Matt Barzal's strong suits. So not having a guy like a John Tavares who could provide that type of offensive Avenue for Anders Lee, I think hurts his production and makes him a little bit more one dimensional than we would like. He's always been one dimensional. His dimension is standing in front of the net and deflecting pucks. That's what he does. Uh, JT was a good fit for him because they both skate the same, which is not very well. And he doesn't fit with Matt Barzell. He never has. That's why not getting Panarin was such a big loss for us last year. I mean, I thought that was huge. Panarin teamed up with Barzal. That gives you a dynamic first line. We don't have that. We have one player. And – you know, they can try to they can keep on trying to jam Anders Lee on that line. He doesn't fit. And he's never gonna fit with Matt Barzal. That's why signing him back was such a mistake. Where are you gonna put him? He's not a first line player, never has been. He was a first line player playing with John Tavares because John Tavares drove that line. Just like he made Anders Lee a good player, just like he made Kyle Poso a good player. He made Matt Molson, P.A. Parento, the list goes on. It's all because of John Tavares. It's all because of John Tavares. And, you know, I hate to say it, Islander fans, that's what Anders Lee is. Great leader or whatever. I don't – I mean, that's what everything you hear. Good locker room guy, great. You don't pay a good locker room guy $7 million a year and pay him till he's 36 years old when you know you're going to get diminishing returns. Like I said, it was a bad signing last offseason. All of them were, honestly. Um, all of our signings last year, I just thought we should have just went with the young guys once again. Grumpy, Brock Nelson was not a bad signing, Grumpy. That's the one I'm going to fight you on. Grumpy, you, Brock Nelson's signed. not a bad signing. He has really benefited playing in the Lou Lamarillo uh, Barry Trot system without a doubt. Yes. He played his best there. 
but he's still weak in the corners. You know, I, here's the thing. I know you love Brock Nelson. You always have. Uh, I just think he's, uh, you know what? All right, even if you want to keep Brock Nelson. I thought the only guy they really should have kept if it was any of them was Jordan Everly. Because and, he, uh, he hasn't performed the way we had expected. We were definitely wrong on that take. Brock has continued to pick up his pace, which I'm happy with. I was not expecting to see such a sharp decline in Anders Lee this season. And again, that I contract did. looks. I told you. I predicted that. That contract looks worse and worse, just like he had said. Very true. The, the grumpy old man is like, uh, he sees, he's like Nostradamus. Karnak, the fortune teller. It's Karnak the Magnificent. You know, I messed that one up too on another podcast. I knew as soon as I said it, I'm like, I don't think it's that. But I'm trying to give you those old references, Grumpy Old Man, to show you that I, I'm, I'm worldly. I, I, I've watched old. I, what is it? Was that on Letterman or who? Oh my late god! Night, who? I, I can't remember what late night show that was no, on. Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson. That was a guy. Oh. okay. Gotcha. Oh, Karnak. Get it? Carson. Karnak. Get oh, it? I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha, you. Oh gotcha. my god. I, you know what? Like I said, people, you can go back in the archives and hear me just undress TJ when he, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know. He tries to pretend like he knows some things from the past, but he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, TJ, I wanted to, and I just, I want to talk this about the people listening to this podcast. As many know, TJ will eat just about anything. And yesterday he sent me a picture of something that he, I don't know. They must have just sucked it up out of the ocean somewhere, or maybe it washed up on a beach. It was octopus. Yes. I, I was about to say, I almost forgot totally to mention it on today's podcast. I did. I had, a, I had an octopus once before Grumpy um, at an all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet, and I did not enjoy it. And I was like, well, we were at a Venezuelan place, and I was like, well, I was like, you know, what do you think about this? Anytime they have an exotic animal or like something that would be exotic for me to eat that I really haven't tried before, I'm like, let me go ahead and try it because I, I don't know. I like to just try a whole bunch of different types of meats and everything like that. So I was like, let's go ahead and give the octopus a try again. And shockingly enough, grumpy old man, it was actually pretty good. The odd thing about it, though, you might be shocked about is, you know, those little suckers they have on the bottom of their uh, little legs and tails. They actually get stuck in between your teeth really easy. And I'm like, they actually was that stop, stop. stop. They don't have tails, okay? They don't have They're tails. Legs. They're not, legs. I wasn't sure what they called them. They're, They're legs. legs. They're legs. They're legs. They're not tails. The octopus is, is – I thought maybe you put them up and you smacked them on your face and you look like an old Star Trek episode where they had this thing suck on people's faces and put little welts on them. Now, that's a real old re reference. That's the original Star Trek. I mean, they used to suck the salt out of their bodies. It was – you know, they, they made it, they made the thing look like it was a hot chick to begin with so they could lure the men in and then suck the salt out of their bodies. I've and seen that course, reference before in a meme or something yeah, like that. Yeah, well, it's true. I mean, start, the original Star Trek was pretty good back in the day. Uh, but just to let everyone know, TJ will eat just about anything. I, I mean, will. matter of fact, I will say TJ will eat anything. Anytime I get, anytime I get something crazy that he had to make sure he's saying grumpy because I know grumpy does not like to eat and he's not an adventurous foodie uh, foodie. That's for sure. So not at anytime all. I get something like that, I knew that would gross him out with the octopus. So I was like, let me go ahead and send that to him. And I knew he'd get a kick out of it. And what did I send you back? Do you remember? <laughs> it was a throw up emoji. I'm that shocked you sent an emoji grumpy, but you did. So like I said, I'm talented. I know about TikTok and Blick block and all those other things and book face 
and uh, oh goodness face oh, chat goodness, grumpy old man. is there anything else you want to say before we wrapped up today's podcast no not at all i just wanted everyone to know that now you're reading stuff that washes up on the beach which uh you know, <laughs> who knows how long it was there honestly they uh, can dress they can dress that garbage up as much as they want but it's still a squid well it's an octopus not squid a grilled octopus yeah that's a pretty good octopus i mean I mean, where you live, where did they get this octopus from? from uh, I was about to say, because I live, everybody knows I live central time zone. Uh, I do not live close to the ocean. So, um, yeah, I don't know exactly where they grabbed it from, but I'm sure it was a frozen squid in some capacity. But who the heck knows? Um, it was pretty good, though. It actually didn't taste as fishy as I, as I would expect. Um, but Grumpy, is there anything else you wanted to add in before we wrap up today's podcast? No, I've made enough fun of you today, so I've done my job. Oh, I thank you, Grumpy Old Man. We want to also thank the Hockey Podcast Network again. Um, you can go ahead and find the Hockey Podcast Network of the Never Say Die Podcast on any platform. Wherever you listen to your podcast, you can find it. But thanks so much, Grumpy Old Man, for being a part of, part of the podcast as always. My pleasure. And thank you so much to the listeners, guys. I'm excited. Hockey's coming back soon. Uh, I'm getting kind of jittery. I'm getting antsy, getting a little bit of sports back in my life. Um, soccer's coming back here next week, the Premier League. So I'm happy about that. And Hockey is going to be coming back shortly thereafter. So have a blessed day, guys, and thank you so much for listening.